0: In the final years of the second century, a Christian theologian by the name of Tertullian, he was living in North Africa at the time. He he wrote a famous work called The Apology. This work was a defense of the Christian religion. Tertullian wrote it to address it to civic leaders in Carthage in North Africa. And within that work, Tertullian spoke about Christian martyrs in particular, about those who had been killed by Roman authorities for their faith. And here's what he said about Christian martyrs. The more you mow us down, the thicker we rise. The Christian blood you spill is like the seed you sow. It springs from the earth and produces even more. Or to quote the more popular summary, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Now, whether or not Tertullian's statement is empirically accurate is a matter up for debate. Is it actually true that more martyrs produce more Christians? That's a question that's debatable. But what is not debatable is the importance of martyrs all throughout Christian history. From the time of the apostles to the present day, Christians have told stories about those willing to pay the highest price, their own life, for their commitment to Christ. And martyrs all throughout Christian history have been considered models of Christian discipleship. You can think about this from early Christian martyrs, people like Perpetua and Felicity, to modern-day figures such as Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Australian May Heyman, Janani Lewum. These people were martyrs and they were symbols of Christian faithfulness who have inspired millions. In, In Acts chapter six and seven, we read the story of the first ever Christian martyr, Saint Stephen. Now, in many ways, Stephen sets the pattern for all martyrs who follow after him. But Stephen is not just the proto-martyr, the first preeminent martyr. Stephen is also a prototype of what it means to be a disciple, to be someone who bears witness as a martyr. In, in this sex session today, we're going to focus on the story of Stephen as Luke tells it in these two chapters in Acts. And ask the question, what does Stephen teach us about discipleship? How is he a model of a true Christian? And what I'm going to suggest is that Stephen is a a model of a true Christian because in his life, he carries out the mission of the church as we see in Acts. You'll remember the mission of the church is to bear witness to what God is doing in Christ. And that's what the word martyr, this Greek word martyr actually means, is it means someone who is a witness. As Stephen does that, not just by what he says, there's a long speech recorded of his in chapter seven of Acts, but it's not just in his words that Stephen bears witness. It's also by what he does, by the form of his life. More specifically, The way that Stephen bears witness is by imitating Jesus. Stephen shows us what it means to be Christ like. Now, this this call to become like Christ, to imitate Jesus, this is something you often hear in Christian circles, and for good reason, because it's a call that can be found all throughout the New Testament. Jesus himself utters the call to be like him when he tells his disciples, follow me, follow me, become like me, when he tells them to love as he loved them. And the Apostle Paul, likewise, makes this a central theme in his writings. He exhorts early Christians to follow after the pattern of Christ in both their thought and their behavior. And in 1 Corinthians, he tells the Christians in Corinth to be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And here, with the story of Stephen, Luke is giving us a concrete example of how early Christians responded to that call to follow Jesus and be like him. Stephen is a model Christian for Luke because he so closely models his life after the pattern of Jesus. Uh, to explain what I mean a little bit further, I want to look at three aspects of Luke's portrayal of Stephen. First, I want to look at Stephen's Christ-like service. And then I want to talk about Stephen's suffering and how that too is similar to Christ. And then finally, I want to end with some comments about Stephen's Christ-like service love. So let's start by talking about his service. We're first introduced to Stephen in chapter six of Acts. Uh, Luke tells us that a problem has arisen in the early Christian community, that there's a, a group of Jewish Christians known as the Hellenists. These were those who spoke Greek fluently and tended to have more of a Greek culture and they were complaining that some of their poor members, their widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution that was supposed to, from the Christian community, to meet the practical needs of those in the community. Now, what's interesting is that the word that it's translated as distribution here in Acts chapter six, it's actually a, the Greek word diakonia, which is a word that typically is used for service and often is a word that referred to serving at a table. And this is why when the apostles suggest selecting men who can be entrusted with this task of meeting the practical needs and overseeing the church's distribution, it's why these men are regarded as the first deacons because they are employed in diaconia. And Stephen, who is a Hellenist, he has a Greek name, Stephen is the first on the list. He is the very first deacon. This, I think, is significant because it's the first thing that Luke tells us about Stephen. Stephen is a man who serves, that's his calling. And this is notable because it so closely follows after the pattern of Christ. In fact, This is how Jesus describes the purpose of his own ministry to his followers in the gospel of Mark. He says that it is service. Here's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And when Jesus says the son of man came not to be served, but to serve, the word he uses for service is that same Greek word. Diakonia. All throughout the Gospels, the disciples struggle to understand this and to follow this pattern of service. But here, with the story of Stephen, we find someone whose primary calling is not to be served, but to serve. That's the first way that Stephen models true Christian discipleship by his Christ like willingness to serve, to meet practical needs. That's the work that he's been given. The second way that he models his imitation of Christ is by the way that he suffers. It's interesting, if you compare Stephen's martyrdom to the story of Jesus' trial and crucifixion, you'll notice a number of parallels. For instance, notice the events that lead to Stephen's arrest and subsequent conviction. In chapter six, verse eight, we are told that Stephen is doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then some Jews object, but that they are unable to withstand the wisdom of his teaching. Does that remind you of anyone? And then these same Jews who were objecting to Stephen, they begin to instigate other people to make allegations against him, that he is blaspheming against the temple, and against the Mosaic law. Now, when you read the speech that Stephen gives in defense of himself in Acts chapter seven, you'll notice that he's not denigrating Moses or the law, but rather Stephen is calling attention to Jewish unfaithfulness to it. So these charges that are made against him, these allegations are really false charges just as they were with Jesus. Now, if that is not enough, notice how Stephen responds at the end of his speech in chapter seven, after he has given this long address and the audience has become angry and become violent. Notice what Stephen says in Acts seven, verse 56. Behold, he says, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Now, just compare this with what Jesus says when he is before the Jewish council in the Gospel of Luke. When Jesus is asked if he is the Messiah, he says, If I tell you, you will not believe, and if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. The similarities between these two statements, this is no coincidence. Remember, the same author that wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So this is very intentional. He's calling our attention to how Stephen's suffering and his response to his suffering follows after the pattern set by Christ. And You can see the same pattern in Stephen's final words as he is being killed. And this is, happens twice. First, we read in Acts 7, 59, that Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Uh, Just compare this to what Jesus says in his final words from the cross in the Gospel of Luke. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's significant that Stephen prays directly to Jesus rather than just to the Father, Otherwise, the words are almost identical. And the same thing happens with his other dying words. The very final things we hear from Stephen as he is being killed. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Notice how similar this is to what Jesus in the Gospel of Luke says when he is put on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Much like Jesus, Stephen faced opposition, hostility, violence because of his witness. Like Jesus, he was falsely accused. Like Jesus, Stephen did not respond in violence, but with faith in God and with forgiveness toward his persecutors. Now, perhaps this resistance should come as no surprise. After all, remember, Jesus told his followers that if they imitated him, if they followed after him, they should also expect opposition like him. Being like Jesus sounds very nice, but it won't necessarily win you friends. I like how Florence Nightingale puts it. People talk about imitating Christ and imitate him in the little trifling formal things, such as washing the feet and saying his prayer and so on. But if anyone attempts the real imitation of him, there are no bounds to the outcry with which the presumption of that person is condemned. This brings me to my third and final point, which is how Stephen models Christian love. In in John chapter 13, Jesus, in his upper room discourse, he gives his disciples a new command as he tells them. And this new command is that they are to love one another as he has loved them. Then Jesus goes on to say, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Loving others as Christ loved us. This is, according to Jesus, this is one of the foremost ways that the church carries out its mission of bearing witness. But what does it mean to love as Jesus has loved? How does that look? How does it take place? In today's world, we often associate love, love of neighbor, love of those around us, with feelings of affection or with words and actions that affirm others. To love another person, whether Christian or not, is for many of us in the modern world, it means to feel positive toward that person and to be affirming of him or her. But this isn't true with Stephen. That's not the form of love as we see it in him. Yes, Stephen does love, but the way he loves within the Christian community is by devoting himself to practical needs, by diakonia, by service, to those in need. And he also loves those who resist him. He loves them by forgiving his persecutors. But Stephen's love is not affirming. In fact, if you read his speech in Acts chapter 7, you'll notice that what Stephen has to say to the crowd is in many ways very unaffirming. Stephen calls attention to their failure He tells them that they are rejecting what God is doing, just as their fathers had rejected all the prophets before them. Stephen is calling attention to their sin, to their resistance, to their need for repentance. Stephen is loving them, and he is a model of love. But the kind of love that he models is not really the modern ideal of love. He models the love that he saw in Christ. He follows after Christ by serving and by giving his life for the salvation of others, even when that means calling them to repentance. So what does all this mean for us? Well, it's a strong likelihood that neither you nor I will ever be called to give up our lives as martyrs. But as members of the church, we all are called to bear witness. And remember, that's what I said the word martyr in Greek means. It means witness. We are called to be witnesses. That's the mission of the church according to Acts. And Luke, Luke includes this story of Stephen right here in Acts 6 and 7, not merely to show how the early church responded when it faced persecution, but also to give us as readers a concrete example of what it looks like to bear witness in the way that we live, what it means to be like Jesus. Stephen is a model Christian. He fulfilled the call to bear witness to Jesus by serving as Jesus served, by suffering as Jesus suffered and by loving as Jesus loved.